Uh, you were talking about, I'm going to pee myself because Obama <laughs> is there. I actually peed myself on stage. No. As Hedvig last year. What? How did, well, okay, what happened? Well, we had one hour between shows because we do two at night. Okay. And I forgot to pee. Oh my God. Like at the top. In the middle. Oh, in the middle. I, or, you know, so it was two shows with an hour between. Oh, okay. I see. I, so in the second show, I'm, I'm reaching, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I, what am I going to do? I'm on stage all the time. Yeah. There's one moment where someone else sings a song. Yeah. And I, I withdraw upstage. I withdrew upstage and just let released. it go. <laughs> Amazing. In the shadows. Hey. But had to come forward dripping. Hey. Reaching, you know, slowly for a towel. <laughs> Dramatically. Trying, and just trying to like not let, as I was singing, not, you know. Yeah. But you know, you gotta. Yeah, hey. It's rock and roll. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm gonna get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is, I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I gotta holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough. Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn, podcast producer at The Talk House. Welcome to The Talk House Music Podcast. This episode is a Broadway takeover, featuring Hedwig and the Angry Inch creator and original star John Cameron Mitchell in conversation with Javier Munoz, the other Alexander Hamilton, in runaway smash hip-hop hit musical Hamilton. These two truly believe that musical theater can change lives and push society forward. Their own lives and this talk echo that sentiment. John Cameron Mitchell rose to international acclaim with the musical and movie Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which won four Tonys for its current Broadway revival. The show follows a genderqueer East German should-be rock star on a tour to wrest back the songs a young love stole from her. Mitchell also wrote and directed the film Short Bus, directed Rabbit Hole, and has shot videos for Bright Eyes, Scissor Sisters, and Seeger Rose. He recently acted in Girls and is Andy Warhol in HBO's Vinyl. Mitchell is currently editing his new movie, How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which stars Nicole Kidman and Elle Fanning and is slated for a 2017 release. Javier Munoz made his name as Usnavi in Broadway's In the Heights. Along with the show's creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Munoz plays Alexander Hamilton in Broadway's absolute mega-hit Hamilton, a musical about, well, the life of Alexander Hamilton and the founding of America towed through hip-hop. If that sounds dry, Trust the rave reviews on this one. It's amazing. Munoz performed the night that President Obama watched the show, and the New York Times recently said of his Sunday matinee performances, Alexander Hamilton is sexy on Sundays. The two spoke as part of the Talkhouse's ongoing series of live podcast recordings at Samsung 837 in Manhattan's Meatpacking District. Munoz and Mitchell cover a lot here. Rock and roll and hip hop on Broadway, sure but also Pussy Riot, New York City's constant evolution, the way social media can inhibit artistic development, Glee, David Bowie, and so much more. Check it out. Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, we already started talking. I know we have. We've already, yeah, sorry guys. We've, we've been talking since we got here. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it is like technical stuff about. Yeah. Our union. <laughs> what rights do we have as actors? Actors are usually just grateful to work, but exactly. that that heap, heaps a lot of you know, yeah, yeah, intolerance on top of them. Well, one of the things we talked about was how uh, Broadway musicals were getting around the world 
without being seen yep. sometimes. And you said there's been a lot of communication just through the Hamilton soundtrack. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, you know, we have so many, so many people who can't, uh, get to New York to or see the afford show, a sh- right, or just afford the ticket itself. Yeah, and uh, and so the soundtrack, the cast recording is is like the the most accessible uh, means to hear it, digest it, uh, experience the the piece. Um, and uh, and now actually, there's also going to be a book that's coming out, which is going to. It's really fantastic. It's Lynn has uh, coined it the Hamilton, and it's huge. And it's just you the, know step by step all the details, the development of how it was, all of it. Yeah. And it's done beautifully. Um, and It'd be cool if it had a you know an audio component to hear er, earlier versions of uh, songs. Oh, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, actually, that would be neat. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, maybe further on, maybe Lynn might do a compilation of that. But it will have a. Um, what do you call it? A uh, uh, an audiobook yeah. version, and uh, and so that's you know who knows what they'll add to that. But that's great. Yeah, and it's a way for for I mean I've got a lot of a lot of folks on Twitter and Facebook who that's their that's their only way to access the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, is have the producers given had a mechanism for young people to have other than the usual student rush or lottery of being able to see the show for less? There's a, there's a school program that goes into effect, I think next month, uh, where it's for 10 bucks. We're getting, you know, really? whole, you know, just classes and schools and, and young people who just would never be able to afford the ticket cost, but need to see this, yeah. you know, the, the audience that, that really will benefit the most are, of our young people. But is that um, like seats that aren't sold? Well, sold out all the time. So they're actually take carving out some money. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We never did that. Because <laughs> we couldn't afford to. <laughs> I love it though. No, it's going to be, it's going to be super. It's going to be really super. Yeah, th- there's this, there's a strange, uh, I mean, well, there'll eventually be a Hamilton film, which will, which will hope so. penetrate, yeah. you know, places that don't nec- aren't necessarily going to be able to see the play, even if they can afford it. And but it is it is strange that you know, with all the predictions of the death of theater over the last thirty years, that the necessity for people to be in the same room experiencing a live event that is narrative hasn't gone away, and in fact, it's increased. I mean, hasn't yeah. Broadway, you know, become Hotter than ever. It has. It's revived in in an enormous way. I mean, but that's that. Thank God, you know. I, yeah. I don't want that to go away. There is yeah. something profound about being in the room, and and it being live and experiencing that together, and 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 the dynamic of what the audience brings in. You know, they bring in and they change. They impact the story when they're sitting there with their energy collectively. You know. Yeah. Um, and one kind and different kinds of music. You know. Hip hop and you know rock and roll, Hedvig's basis are pretty ancient. <laughs> you know when you think about you know at yeah. least since you know for hip hop for you know late seventies, but yes, you know for rock and roll much earlier. So it is funny that you know our two shows are oh wow it's it's so innovative. I'm like not really, uh, no. it's just a little later that these things have. Yeah, has surfaced or that people have maybe done it with a bit more 
uh, care for the authenticity of the music. You know, there's always been rock musicals that weren't very rock and roll. Yeah. And hip hop things weren't really that hip hop. Yeah. It's hard to find a, a, a sweet spot that is is fully satisfying the musical side of things and the narrative side. You know, yeah. that, that's people forget that musicals also take three to four years at least. Hopefully. To be developed. Yeah. Um, and ours certainly was. A lot of it has to do with the, the, the time between the productions to, to rewrite and, and think it through. And How long was your process for Hedwig? It was, uh, you know, Stephen Trask and I started working on it uh, at a club called Squeeze Box, which yes. is a rock and roll drag queer club uh, in lower Western Soho in 94. 94. So... Off, we got to Off Broadway in '98, so okay, yeah, yeah. that's right, that's right. Okay. And, but we wanted to develop it in clubs rather than theater to kind of keep the energy of the rock performance up. Yeah, um, and so we eschewed the, the usual theatrical workshop environment. But we did like you know sort of mid kind of rock cabaret things too to kind of on our way to the theater, like at Fez and oh. West Beth, which were nice. you know the kind of best place, you know, they were the kind of more alternative cabaret spaces. So it was something else, you know, before it was kind of a band and then it was a kind of a rock cabaret act and then it was a wow. musical. That's so interesting. And, you know, so it, we took our time to do it right, you know, and Stephen came from the music world. I came from the theater world and we had stuff to teach each other. Um, I guess, I mean, did, did Lynn ever have a, a band or a hip hop? Sort of. He has, uh, there's, uh, it's called Freestyle Love Supreme and it's a, it's an improv, a hip hop improv group. And so. Uh, has he had that for a while? Yeah. Oh. He's had that for a, a very long time. And, and, and they finally well, reached yeah. the pinnacle with the Obama, <laughs> yeah. Obama improv. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. It leads up to, to that moment. <laughs> Nowhere to go now. Putin. Putin with flashcards. Hey. <laughs> he could use it. Probably. He could. Yeah. I'm scared what the words would be. We should. We should. He. You know. He should do the improving rap though. Lynn should hold the cue cards. We should make Putin rap. <laughs> oh, God. I just met two of the Pussy Riot girls, and they are fierce. And yeah. They got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, they're they're an, an example of, um, you know, taking cult, you know, pop culture the way they learned it, which is actually from punk rock and Bikini Kill and feminist kind of punk performance and getting it out there, you know, also with the help of a lot of people getting their story out there to question the status quo and uh, very fierce, very committed women, very young, you know, right. thrown into prison, not daunted, you know, becoming prison active, you know, rights activists. One of the girls was in solitary for 11 months over two years. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yeah, I just, that was Masha. I just met her. Uh, we did a panel thing in Asbury Park and it was, you know, we were, we're kind of cushy here in New York and, yeah. and uh, realizing that there's some useful, there's got to be something useful about the things that you make for the, as much of the world as possible. You know, you don't have to pander, but there's something about challenging 
Yes. You know, and when I, when I first saw, you know, it's really hard to go see a show with the kind of hype of Hamilton, you mm. know. Yes. Hedwig trickled up, you know, trickled yeah. up as opposed to down. But Hamilton was like, okay, people come in, it's like, oh, really? You know, and then you go in and you're like, yes, really. <laughs> yeah. And it got better the two times I saw it. And it's oh, so awesome. exciting to see it. Thanks. You know. Yeah. And it's, it must be exciting to do that role. It is. Yeah, absolutely is. It it's and it it's so huge and and I can't fathom the day that I'll be bored by it, you know? Like that's seems impossible. There's just too much to like to keep digging into and keep, you know, discovering and yeah, it's it's awesome. Wow. But um oops, excuse me. Um I like the point you just said about it has to, it has to be useful. Um, that's so important. I think that's really important. Yeah, if you're going to work that hard, also it might as well try to make things a little bit better in some way. You know, our with Hedvig, it, it I never thought of speaking for any you know community. It's not really a transgender story or a a plea for rights or anything, but it's a specific person who was kind of forced into a situation by circumstance and by mm -hmm. a weird political, very macho kind of way of looking at the world and finds herself in a situation where recreation is necessary or death is the only option, other option. Yeah. And it's been kind of exciting to see that that story originally based on a Plato story about the origin of love has translated to a lot of cultures, a lot of religions, a lot of ways of thinking and be useful as a story about finding yourself and not, you know, what do you do when you're not fitting in? You know, can that be actually a benefit in the long run to your uniqueness, loneliness to empowerment and uh, a, a, who would have, you know, who would think that, a, you know, a theater piece would do that because okay. that's not really, it's a fringe thing in the, in the scheme of things. Yes. Yes, indeed. But that, that uh, I must take the opportunity to say that that's, that's the profound impact it had on my life was, was the, at the time, the lack of, of, of uh, or the void of, of a presence, of a representation that was positive and empowering and uh, reflective of sort of the, the inner workings in, in me that I, I didn't have a representation until you created this thing. And, and, wow. and it was very profound for me. Well, I so think the you. same thing is happening <laughs> with Hamilton and it's going to live on in its, in its, in many different ways. It sounds like, you know, Lynn has a lot of plans for it. Yeah, he does. And, and I hope, I think, you know, I, I, I think the greatest impact for being part of it is, is the diversity of the cast mm -hmm. and, and that, and that's something that is part of the policy, yeah. right? It's like yeah. keeping that diversity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 that's you know that's the part of the person who can't come see the show that sort of you know 
I, I always, uh, it sort of almost, you know, kind of breaks my heart. It's like, mm-hmm. you really need to see it. Like, yeah. I'm so thankful we have a, the, the recording to go out and the book to go out and, and all those things and eventually a tour and, and, and I, and, and it's really, it's the impact of, of that representation of, of seeing your, seeing you up there, right. In some positive way. And, and, and could I ever play Alexander Hamilton eventually? <laughs> <laughs> Lynn said he wanted to play Hedvig. There you go. Yo, swap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I remember seeing True West and, you know, um, oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and um, who was it? His buddy from uh, the worst Boogie one. Nights. They would, they would switch off. Who was it? Oh, Somebody help shoot. me. Um, um, you know who I'm talking about. I do. I Red see hair, his face. brilliant mm-hmm. actor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the worst. But names. every other night they would switch off. I mean, they were in the same oh, play. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I forgot they, that. That's yeah. right. And they were so good. Oh my gosh. That, I, I would definitely pay to see both uh, you as Hamilton and Lynn as Hedwig. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm, too, I'm too white. No, too you'd rock it. <laughs> my mom was an immigrant. They get shit done. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, here we are in the middle of the meatpacking district, which I don't see any meat anymore. No. We were remembering being here. When are you from here? Where are you from? I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a native. So yeah. I I, I used to walk around here way back uh I was probably fifteen when I started coming into the city. Really? On my own and uh, getting into trouble. Yeah. Well that's when you can get in. Yeah. You could get in exactly at yeah. fifteen. You totally good. Yeah. Well this was the you know this was the you know crazy gay clubs and yeah. S&ME place. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, meet by day and other meet by night. Indeed. I just saw the Robert Maplethorpe documentary last night and they had footage of this area. And I was just like, God, it used to be so scary and exciting when I first came here in 85, which, you know, there was death and carnage and crack and AIDS. And yes. it was, but there was also a vitality of art and empathy and politics that was thriving here. Very very exciting and and scary and you know it was new york you know yeah. and and yeah. a lot of what's was is unique about you new york has seeped away because of economics and real estate yep essentially um, yes I it's agree. still new york so it's still always going to be an amazing capital so, of culture yeah. but it's it's very very odd to walk around yeah. here right now it's true. All the shops and the, yeah. the cleanliness is the always green room we were me. just in downstairs. I mean, that could have been a dungeon. It could have. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> I think I went to a place on yeah, down just, this street, yeah, right? And lure. it was yeah. yeah. See, I feel, you mentioned that, and I can I swear, if I haven't been there, I certainly knew know what it, what it was. But I want to yeah. say I probably was. I just yeah. you know, it's a million years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing. But there's a. There's also a continuity that comes through doing the shows at these theaters too. You know, mm. what you, what's the name of your theater again? Oh, Richard Ro- Richard Rich- Rogers, yeah. right? Which was I forget the name of it before, but mm. going we were in the Belasco, and there mm. is a wonderful feeling that you get when you're in there and knowing the other shows that were, that were in the space yeah. and the effect that they had or the pleasure they gave or the yeah. the money they lost. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's like an imprint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we had uh, Mark Rylance in our theater right before us, you know, the 
one of the greatest English speaking actors. You know, he was doing Twelfth Night, and okay. uh, and every actor or every production adds something in some way to the you know. And we have this big space under the theater, and he made it into a bar. Oh, nice! Which wow! Which the myth was that Harry Houdini built the space under the stage to make his elephants disappear. Oh my gosh! No way! Yeah. <laughs> And it's this huge space that you never get in these theaters, but it's, I still get that thrill, you know, I still want to be close to it, yeah. you know, because it's something physical, you know, it's- Absolutely. The, the, the uh, form is still somehow not been able to be digitized yeah, you well. Can't. Yeah, um, you can't duplicate that experience in, uh, over any other medium. Really. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard to film Yep, a theater piece. I think the most successful one was actually in our theater was uh, Spike Lee's Passing Strange film. <sighs> so good. It's yeah. really good. It's really good. Yeah, and I love that cast. Yeah, usually it's just a few cameras and he took the time to shoot with an audience but then also bring cameras on stage without an audience and get... Those close-up moments. Yeah. Yep. It's so vital because... And that's, that's the... Um, but even still, I mean, you, 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 you could try to recreate those moments cinematically, but if, if, if you are the audience, right. You know, but if, but if you, you, the creator of that, of that cinema, um, aren't really clear as to, to what the thing is, you still may not really capture it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's also weird to think that it, it, probably a show like Glee had a lot to do with oh, yeah. keeping theater or at least musical theater going for reintroducing it for young people. Indeed. If That's it was still point. on, I'm sure there'd be that Hamilton show, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were too weird for the, a Hedwig show, but. You were ahead of your time. You yeah. were ahead of your time. You paved the way. Well, yeah. We, there were a lot of, you know, this, this year losing David Bowie. Yeah who in some ways was the nexus of theater and, and music. Absolutely. Certainly for me, um, that was a shock to, to realize how much he'd seeped into so many yeah. people's lives and parts of their lives, Yep. you know? And Absolutely. when he came to the show, that was he a came. shocker. No who was, I mean, tell me about the Obama experience though. <laughs> he came in. Lynn, Lynn was out. It wasn't a show that he was going to do. Yeah. And he didn't horn in on your territory. No, it was really wonderful. Like uh, I was on my way to the theater and um, I was already waiting for the train. And uh, Thomas Kale, the director, he sent me a text saying, hey, could you get here early? Because I, I want to talk to you. And I, I, of course, think, great, what I do? I screwed something up. Right. And I'm going through you know, my notes. I'm like, what did I forget? Did I forget to do a moment? But, you know, I'm, I'm totally... In not thinking that it's some good news. <laughs> I get there, he and Lynn are sitting in the house and um, they're explaining, you know, my first show was that Saturday and there were, th were going to be three performances in preview process that were for Lynn to watch. And, and that's, you know, in my head, that's like the most important moment uh, because he, it's his last opportunity you know, before it's quote unquote frozen. And, and uh, so to me, it's like all the responsibilities to make it as clear of a performance for him, tell the story as clearly as possible for Lynn. So that was scheduled for that. My first of the three was scheduled that Saturday. 
and uh, they're telling, you know, I'm sitting there and Lynn and, and, and Tommy are telling me, you know, the president's going to come and he's going to come to this show. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, great. You know, that means I'll probably not do the show and Lynn will do it. And maybe I'll get two performances or three. I'm thinking, I'm assuming no You're way am I going to do, do the show. And, and no, no, Tommy indeed says, and you know, we want you to perform as usual. Yeah. As you should. And I, you know, I'm so thankful they told me privately so that I could piss my shorts, you know, without Beforehand. even seeing. <laughs> and, and then um, I, I sort of was in, in shock and I turned to Lynn and Lynn just looked at me and he goes, and you're going to be great. And oh. so, you know, there you have it. There's, and you said you actually felt pretty good. I felt in great. Yeah, you know, because it, leading up to it, it was my first shot uh, on the Broadway stage to at that point to perform the show. So I was really excited about that. Um, I and I was so focused on making sure that Lynn was going to get everything he needed. And and I I I I really don't get nervous. No, I really, you know, it's no like, time to get nervous. There isn't. There isn't. Were you nervous when Obama came by after? After. Yes, which what, was intermission. What did he say? Um, oh, intermission? He, he oh, because so he could get out yeah. faster? Yeah. Well, what if you had sucked in the second act? <laughs> I don't know, public apology, maybe. <laughs> so you knew he was coming for the intermission? No, it was all last minute. Our stage You're like taking a dump. Up. Yeah, right, exactly. Knock, <laughs> in the knock. Bathroom. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He was so cool. I mean, just really charismatic and like, you know, wa walking around and introducing himself and shaking hands with everybody. And I, I was, he was making his way towards where I was standing and in, in like mid sentence, just turned right to me, shook my hand and said, you are great. And like, you know, I'm frozen. That's it. Like you're frozen. Yeah. The show's frozen. Like, you're frozen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know what to say or do other than like, you know, that's amazing. What are you going to say? Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you know, but that, that was. And he seemed like he really. Yeah. Genuine. Was into it. Yeah. You can't, you can tell if someone's just faking it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It yeah. He didn't have to come back. No, he totally didn't. And, 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 and he wanted to, to, to come talk to us and. You know, and it was it was so profound, and so and that led to the cast coming to Washington. Yeah, eventually, because then the DNC had um, an event, so they bought out a night, and so the entire party was there, or whoever you know. You must, the you, there's no Republicans in the cast. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe don't talk about it. <laughs> as the deputy, as right, <laughs> as former equity deputy. Um, <laughs> oh well, we were I just must... talking about the amazing freestyle that Lynn. Oh, it was so Did cool. with Obama. And yeah. It really is amazing. Yeah, it's really, that's just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I mean, I, I wish I would have been on that trip with everybody, but um, uh, I had some really great things to do here in the city. And, and, and oddly, you know, the feeling was like, you know, I've, I've, I've met them a few times. I feel really good <laughs> about, you know, my relationship with our president <laughs> first lady. <laughs> Maybe he'll get involved with theater. You never know, right? Hey. That'd be amazing. What was your first play that affected you? Or theater piece? Wow. Um, hair. Oh. It was, uh, my parents had uh, their own sort of collection of LPs. And uh, I was sifting through, there was, there was this holiday collection that they had that I always loved of like five records that just every holiday song ever by all the, you know, 
Perry Como and all those, you know, it's yeah. like just classic. And, uh, and I was sifting through to find those and I saw the album cover for Hair in there. And it, it oddly, I, I want to say it was my oldest brother's purchase, but my parents held on to it, right? And so I dug the cover and I it just- It was the original cast. Yeah, original cast recording. And I popped it on uh, the record player and, and I was- I was gone. I was off yeah. in that world. And that and was an important one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. And that was the yeah. rock one that, that started for me. Yeah. I mean, you, people say Jesus Christ Superstar, but that one really got me going. Think, oh, theater can be anything, you know? That's it. And yeah. that's, 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 that is the beginning of, of what I think, this is sort of a larger point, I think, um, hair, Hedwig, In the Heights, Hamilton, Passing Strange, these these shows that are um, rent, that are that are the story that someone just wants and needs to tell, but not necessarily in the usual way. Yeah, exactly. You but know? still learning from the great structures of classical musicals too. That was something, you know, the 11 o'clock number, the, right. the two-act structure, you know, learning from the best and then adding your own thing, you know, what working on a new musical. Um, I think it was probably, I don't know, I was really into the cabaret soundtrack and Chicago, the early Chicago one and yeah. Ain't Misbehaving. Oh, nice. It's actually my favorite. Wow, yeah. cool. Which is more of a review, but I, it felt more authentic than some Broadway music because it was, you know, it was jazz or, you know. Yep. Early pop jazz, and it was Nell Carter and Ken Page and Andre De Shields yeah. and all these amazing performers, and that was yeah. And then later, when I was doing Hedvig, it was uh, seeing uh, Sandra Bernhardt's show without you. I'm nothing, which was a kind of a conceptual oh, yeah. review, and uh, all that jazz and fame when I was a kid, and then our later, version of Glee. <laughs> Our version of Glee was yeah. fame, which is actually a pretty good movie. You should see it. I mean, I've seen it in a while, but I love it. Yeah, I mean yeah. Barry Miller, you know, uh, oh yeah, the Jew playing the Puerto Rican. I believed it <laughs> totally. He yeah. actually took me under his wing later when I did a TV show in college. Wow. Uh, Barry Miller was like, you know, very like, do it your way. You know, they'll try to crush you. <laughs> you know, they threw him off a bridge. You know, in Saturday Night Fever, and he's like. He was like punk rock, yeah. you know. That's all. And a guy awesome. named Meshach Taylor was the, my other kind of mentor. He played Jim in uh, Huck Finn that I did at the Goodman, and he was uh, started out in Mammoth's group, Organic Theater, mm -hmm. and okay. went on to do Designing Women and Mannequin. But I he, love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was the Black Queen. He was he taught me all of that stuff. I love it. Um, so we all have our mentors and our influences. Yeah. Uh, Tom Waits actually too. I saw Black the Black Rider, which was Robert Wilson's musical piece with Tom Waits and William Burroughs writing. Oh my! Which was very expressionistic and German and really inspiring for Hedvig. Um, like theater, musical theater can be anything with any kind of music. Yeah, I'm working on a new musical now. Oh, exciting! With a friend, and uh, it musically will be you know other kinds of stuff that you don't usually I hear. Love it. Ah, I can't wait. Yeah. So <laughs> this year is about writing that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a form that, I mean, every, my new film, you know, is in the punk rock era. So we have new music for that too. And awesome. musical number actually. Wow. Uh, written, music written by uh, Jamie Stewart of a band called Shoo Shoo, which is a okay. really cool, dark art rock band. Very cool. Post-punky. And uh, we have alien music, punk music, and then hybrid music. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. That's so exciting. Yeah. Are you interested in writing to yourself? Well, funnily, um, you know, uh, leading up to, uh, let's say, 1998 mm -hmm. was when Hedvig premiered off, right? So yeah. you started writing in ninety. Yeah, a couple blocks away, actually. Okay. So uh, probably around, around um, early 90s, I uh, was toying with poetry. Oh. And, um, but... Which is lyrics yes. in other form. Yes. And and I, I, I've, I'm not someone who shares it uh, very, very publicly. Not yet, at least. But by the time... Um, you know, I used to go to Squeezebox and I saw you perform there. You did? You I saw did. me do Hedvig? No, you. <laughs> As me? Yeah. Oh. You you were there and you 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 were you were doing some of your material. I remember very clearly I was there with my friends uh, uh Christian and uh, uh Cindy and we would go on on Fridays. Yeah. I think it was Friday night. And uh we were there and you uh Mistress Formica was not performing. You popped oh, up. I was Oh yeah, I was the guest host, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for Mistress for Micah. Absolutely. And I was in the house. <laughs> was Debbie Harry performing Yes, she sure night? was. Oh, God. That was exciting. <laughs> it was awesome. And so, but that 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 whole scene and 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 eventually later seeing that like I never forgot your performance that night. And then seeing Hedvig later and seeing the that that was a journey. And, and sort of putting it together in my head, um, my poetry's really, that's when I really started to write. So it really influenced me because it, it I, 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 gave, I, I then gave myself permission to have a voice, have my voice. Cool. And so, yeah. That's the best compliment when someone doesn't imitate or something. It's just like, oh, you freed me up, right? That's the people that I... You know, that's yeah. cool. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. I miss, I miss Squeezebox. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. I loved that place. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if there can be a place like that again. Yeah. But future New York. Yeah. It's a future New York. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to some kid. And I'm like, I'm too tired to do anything new in, in a ground level. You do, please do something. You know, sometimes I feel like the internet is stopped. You know, the ADD thing kind of stops some people. Mm from being productive, other people, it activates them. But yeah. I think in our culture, sometimes it kind of just numbs out and keeps people busy rather than actually, you know, if you know too much, you don't always try to make something new because you feel overwhelmed by the history of yeah, what's been done. Yeah. Um, and my favorite things have kind of been done in the dark where people don't know a lot, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. weird things. And maybe you need to turn things off to do that work. I agree. You know, to to not share it too early, not over-research, not put out an early... Ver like if I had put out our our videotape of my first Hedvig gig, I might not have continued because wow. looking at it later, I was like, well, that's not very good. You know, this had something, but 
I don't think you should be judging or posting too soon when you're developing something. I agree. Because a, a, a stray user comment, you know, and people are oh yes are cruel just because they feel voiceless, so they shout something mean out. Yes, can shut down an impulse. I agree with that. You know, so yep. I do recommend people turning things off or down while they're getting things done. But also don't be afraid to share it in a limited way, you know, in a reading way, in a, a non-global way mm-hmm. until it's ready. I agree with that completely. Because the baby can get deformed <laughs> if yes. it comes out of the womb too early. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very good. I have, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is too personal, but... Um, a question about uh, like personal influences, people in your life who helped shape the path or carve the way or... My high school drama teacher, Awesome. Course. One of mine is here, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, the guy I hugged. Oh. Yeah, he's one of the three. Yeah, I'm sorry, but continue. Oh, yeah, and there's all the very important people, you <laughs> yes. know, certain teachers. Pat Heron, my first play was a pinter play in high school. Which, which? The birthday party. I didn't know it was weird, you know. <laughs> it was just what you did, you know. Yeah. And I... And my mom, who uh, directed me in a, in high school, when, you know, the mean principal canceled theater, you know, <laughs> like like the Grinch, like canceled theater. Canceled? Theater is canceled. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like Footloose or something. Right. <laughs> you know, and he was a terrible priest who, you know, did terrible things. And later, uh, I somehow got theater back, but n- the teachers hated the principal, so they wouldn't, no one wanted to direct, so I had to get my mom to direct the play. Oh my gosh. But that's and awesome that she did. I was did. like, yeah, I was creating this vehicle for myself, and she didn't give me the part I wanted. <laughs> oh. I wanted to play the middle-aged diplomat in the Noel Coward piece, and she gave me the young proto-gay oh, part man. that I should have been playing, and I was like, mother. <laughs> created a monster. <laughs> That's awesome. But she was very, she was an artist and, and oh. she was very empowering for uh, creativity. That's what, what did she do? Uh, was she a writer, singer? Or? She was an artist, uh, a, a painter, a watercolorist and, and uh, she did portraits and she did Kirk Douglas's portrait. And oh, wow. yeah, she was a very good artist. She is a very good artist. And, uh, you know, said so you can do anything artistically and, just go for it. I was, my dad was in the army and he was very practical and good guy, um, which helped. He, he wanted me to be in the army. And then later when he saw me directing, he realized that I was kind of yeah did what he did, you know, yep. which is benevolent dictator. Yes. <laughs> as a director. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so my drama teacher, I had a great a mentor in college, Frank Galati, who was, oh, is a real legendary theater figure. He, yeah you know, brought uh, Grapes of Wrath, you know, adapted that for, and directed it on Broadway in the first ragtime. And yes. um, he was, he taught me that any text can be theater if you bring it on stage, you know, stories, novels, nonfiction. He did a crazy musical version of Confederacy of Dunces and wow. Invitation to a Beheading, which is an Nabokov piece. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and musicals of those. You know, which wow didn't move on because they were in college settings and the, the estates, you know, oh sure would be very difficult about that. But he taught me about Beckett and Nabokov and did a brilliant production of solo production of Pale Fire by Nabokov that that really affects me to this day. Wow. So yeah, been lucky. 
That's amazing. Yeah. And to have it in your family, like the creativity. Yeah. As a sort, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's that's my favorite thing to do is to see if there's a way that I can help other people access imagination and creativity to reduce, you know, there, you know, there's economic, you know, priorities, but there's also, you know, they say you can't live on art, but you live to make art, Yes, you know, and those, those are, you know, art has educational value. It has an antidepressive value. Yes. It has a, uh, philosophical value, you know, it, it focuses you, you, you actually realize what's important as you create or as you absorb art. Mm. What make what moves you is what's important in your life for better or worse. And it's a way of focusing, uh, it's a lens on the world to make sense of it, to uh, make yourself feel less lonely because you're sharing, you know, experiences that other people have and also to uh, create community. Very much. You know, I moved around a lot as a kid and it was plays and films that are, are my families, you know. Amazing. And they're temporary, so you don't have to do with the... <laughs> right, it's true. <laughs> it's so true. That is outstanding. Did you always want to, to, to be an artist? Was there ever another calling um, at all? I think when I was younger, I kind of liked the idea of architect, but that's an artist. You know, uh, writing is my first love and remains probably will probably be the thing I end up doing when I let go of acting and directing. But it's fun to use the different parts mm. of your brain. The acting is very, you know, invigorating and like exercise, emotional exercise. Yes. You know, the writing is going inside. The directing is the family stuff and the practicality and uh, the surprise of, of the collaborator's work. Mm. So I like those three things um, in different forms. You know, I like the television form. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I like theater. I like, I'll probably end up writing, you know, fiction and reading stories, you know. Awesome. You know, so it's, it's all, and I'd like to make an album someday. I'm co-writing the music and lyrics for the new musical, which is new for me because I don't play an instrument. Oh, that do you? Do I? No. Yeah, I don't either. That's, and that's why I never really went beyond the poetry. It's like, you know, yeah. the words and that's well, it. I was always scared of like, I couldn't write a melody if I didn't play an instrument, but I've been working with my new composer and, yeah. and finding that we, I, you know, he, he does a cool exercise, which uh, I, th I think anyone should try if, with, if they have a musical partner, if they don't play something is write 20 songs in 12 hours. Whoa. Because you let go of your... Of the judgment? Yeah, the, okay. you're just doing it. And he would write a musical bed and I'd go in the other room and write a melody and lyrics Wow! while he was writing the next thing. And uh, it just frees things up. And I'd never done it before. And I, it was really exciting. That sounds awesome. And new. Yeah. And a little terrifying. Yeah, and just some awesome. garage band, you yeah. know, just layer it. And rec I realized I could, I knew how to... I could double my voice, you know, which is something the so theater cool. person doesn't ever think about. Well, that's what Lynn created in the Heights on GarageBand. Really? Yep. Wow. Literally, all those tracks. We would get these little CDs that he recorded the night before. And See, those are the ones yeah. I want to see in the audiobook. Right? I know. Of, right? Uh, yeah, there's a million versions of these songs too for, for Hamilton. There's I think so that could many. be inspiring for people to realize it comes from very simple and not be overwhelmed. You know, mm -hmm. for people to think that they can do it themselves. That's very true. That's very, very true. Yeah. Plant the idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Yes, uh, it has. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm just elated to have met you. Nice to meet you. Now I got to pee. <laughs> and you're shining like the brightest star. The transmission on the midnight radio. And you're spinning like a 45 ballerina dancing to your rock Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn, and you've been listening to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes to receive all of our new TalkHouse Music and TalkHouse Film Podcast episodes. Thanks to Samsung 837 for hosting this series of live conversations, to Giant Step for coordination, and to Javier Munoz and John Cameron Mitchell for such a wonderful talk. This was made into a podcast by Mark Yoshizumi. Visit thetalkhouse.com to read intelligent and notable musicians and filmmakers writing about the latest in music and film. Later.